It's a horrible instrument. <laughs> um, all right. Did you hear that? I did. When I moved here, I didn't know what animal that was. Do you know what animal that is? It sounds like a turkey. <laughs> Squirrel. What? That's the sound squirrels make. Oh my god. Yeah. Music fans, hey uh, everybody, would you like to know what kind of a podcast host I am? I have this written intro that you hear me say every week, and this week I look at my uh, my phone and it says, hey music fans, CE, I have no idea what CE is, <laughs> but maybe that's you. Hello, CE, thank you for listening. Anyway, everybody, uh, welcome to episode nine of the CCM podcast that is short for Central Coast Music. Uh, and I, on this podcast, would love for you to discover a new artist that you might enjoy, such as the person sitting on my couch right now named Eli Nordstrom. Eli, why don't you say hello? How's it going, Matt? Oh, hello, it's... Central Coast Music Podcast. Ooh, podcast is getting someone talking to it. Yep. Actually, I don't think that has ever happened before. Wow. The podcast is like, finally, yeah. somebody <laughs> recognizes me. Yeah. <laughs> it took nine episodes, but somebody finally cared about the CCM podcast. Um, so let me just tell you all a little bit about uh, what we like to do on this podcast. I think discovering a new favorite artist is basically the best thing, especially nowadays uh, compared to, let's say, as recently as the 90s, where I believe both of us uh, were alive at that, mo- at that time. But these days, you just hear about a new artist and you can like deep dive their entire catalog just by Google searching or YouTubing or fill in the blank here. Right. For example, in the last year, I really got into this guy, Devin Townsend. Have you ever heard of Devin Townsend? Never heard of Devin Townsend. Okay. Super prog metal, um, very... Anyway, used to be in a death metal band in the 90s. But uh, And I found all of his bands, all of his side projects, his solo stuff, including this demo song he recorded that's like extremely 80s, which is a good thing to put a bookmark in and talk about right, a little no later. Kidding with Mr. Eli Nordstrom. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Varga. Boy, it took a while to get that out. I introduced Eli before myself. Um, Yeah, and so if there's an artist in the Central Coast that's uh, somewhat active, I want them on this podcast. That's why Eli is here. Eli, uh, we've we've played a few shows together. Uh, So Eli, I'm going to have the the first question for you. It's a standard first question. How was the drive-in to my place today? Pretty smooth. You hop on that dirt road, though. Luckily, I've got a Jeep Wrangler, so it was about the perfect car for the drive-in. Yeah, no, no, no fear with a Jeep Wrangler. I know. I right? should have taken the top down before I left. Oh, that's true. Maybe I'll take it down for my way home. For your way home? Mm-hmm. That's true. That sounds beautiful. Um, I was gonna say, listeners, you might hear uh, even more birds and background noise than you normally do. It's uh, the switch for summer has officially flipped. On the uh, yeah. the non-coastal part of Slow County, right. um, and it's probably I'm guessing it's like 80 here today. So we got all the windows open because there is no AC here in this rustic um, place I live in. <laughs> so all the windows are open. You may even hear a breeze. Cars driving on the distant road. Lots of birds. Hey, it's like you're sitting here with us. It's a beautiful thing. There you go. Do you know what type of birds those are? Oh, geez, my parents would be ashamed that I don't know because they are like the bird watchers. And so, Mom, I know you're listening to this. Mom, actually, if you can... Here, let's let's get the sound of that bird. 
Anyway. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, you're not in... What is the study of birds? An ornithologist? Ornithologist. Man, you're just busting out the big words right off the top here. Yeah. There, that was a great one. Okay, Mom, you've now heard the bird. I'd love for you to, when this episode comes out, pl- please post on the Facebook page and tell us if you can identify that bird. Mom or Dad. Um, you're both both bird people. So, um, yeah. All right, so we uh, what we're going to do on the podcast today, as we always do... We're going to learn about Eli, where he's from, and how he got to where he is musically today, and then whatever else we end up talking about. We're also going to hear two songs he's going to play here in the living room. Um, And those videos will be online on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, The birds will probably be singing harmonies and background vocals. That's what appears to be the case here. Uh, So, we're going to dive in. You ready, Eli? I'm as ready as I can be. (laughs) Sufficiently prepared. (laughs) Um, All right. I'm 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 actually more excited than usual about this first part just because well we're gonna find out but so simple question where were you born? I was born in Billings, Montana, 1993. 93. Okay, I was trying to put together the uh, the 80s references are gonna keep coming. I was trying to determine whether you lived through the 80s or not. So you did there not. You go. No, nope. that's okay. The 80s. Uh, Took a few years into the '90s for music to change, anyway. So right. Um, so did uh, Billings. Now I, I used to love. I shouldn't say I used to love maps. I still love maps, but as a kid, I was really crazy about maps, and I memorized the capital of every state when I was young, and I forget now. But is Billings the capital of Montana? It's not Helena is the capital. Helena, the okay. little known capital city of Helena, Montana. Is uh, what's the lar- then what's the largest city in Montana? Billings is the largest ah, city. Okay. That so if you memorize both the capitals and the largest <laughs> cities. I don't think <laughs> I memorized it, but um, I probably looked into it as a Yeah. Unique, it's an but. interesting place. It's it's terrible actually. It's just <laughs> it's, it's just a plain horrible city. Luckily, I'm I grew up in a small town outside of Billings, so Right in the mountains, so I didn't have ah. to deal with the Billings lifestyle. Okay, and so this small town was? Red Lodge, Montana. Red Lodge, Montana. Um, so at a recent show, Eli and I played together. Now, this is kind of fun, actually. Eli, and, Eli, I can't say your name for some reason. It's very simple. Eli and I, Eli, that's why. Eli and I. It's yeah, a hard, that's a, that's a tongue one. twister. Yeah. It's grammatically correct, however. So I'm going to stick with it, as difficult as it is. Um <laughs> We played a show, I guess it wasn't that recently, but it was in uh, April at some point, or maybe late March, at uh, Branch Street Deli, and um, right before that that show, I had Max McClory record an episode, and Max played on that gig, and so it was Max playing, it was me, Eli headlined, then the Harmony people played, and afterward, they approached me and said, hey, we'd love to be on the podcast, so this is now three of the, I think, five or six total people who played that night are now have episodes of this podcast together which that's is hilarious kind of cool right <laughs> yeah. like, so it seemed like such a normal night who knew such a fateful thing right uh, would right. occur yeah score <laughs> um so you grew up in red lodge did you graduate high school there i did yep was it called red lodge high school it was called red lodge high school that's... just oh, here's a fun question what was like the the mascot or the uh, team name or like the red lodge what for a long time we were the red lodge redskins which it's a lot of red, a lot of red, and but when I was in high school, we we changed our mascot from the Redskins because 
as everybody in the last 20 years has recognized, and hopefully before then, that Redskins is just not an appropriate mascot name. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we ended up, I graduated as a Ram. A Ram? Proud Ram. Okay. I was the senior class president of the, the transition to our name. Oh, wow. We, we actually made national news for no changing way. our name. So that was something that we were all... So I'm doing the math. Born in 93, um, you would have cr- probably graduated around 2010, 2011? 2012. 2012. I'm yeah. trying to think. I, I, like This is starting to ring a bell. I feel like I may have heard about this. It, it, very possibly. <laughs> okay. it, was a, it was like an NBC nightly news okay. story. I mean, I, n- I never watched the news, but I feel like I yeah, might have heard that. Um, and that's funny. Um, I think the whole reason I started this topic is because I... <laughs> My whole thing, one time, Eli, that one night at uh, Brand Street Deli, Eli was on stage and was like, oh, yeah, I'm from Red Lodge. And I went, sure you are. Because you know? <laughs> it just seems like yeah. you could make up any town in Montana and yeah. <laughs> no, no one, one would know, know if it's true or not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but uh, you're starting to convince me that it actually exists with that story. That's a pretty, be a pretty tough one to make up. There's a lot of uh, Ernest Hemingway was oh. a frequent passer through of Red Lodge. He lived outside of Red Lodge in... By Cook City, which is right outside Yellowstone, which is oh, yeah. where Red Lodge is. Oh, okay. So you cross over the Beartooth Pass outside of Red Lodge, which is, you know, this huge winding road that goes up to about 11,000 feet. Nice. And then you you're just, you cross over into Yellowstone, into the Lamar oh, Valley. Okay. So it's just gorgeous growing up. Okay, there. see, I was, I was, I wanted to ask you then, this is, I think, why I was excited about this topic, because that Montana is one of the... Probably like six U.S. states I have not been to. Um, however, as a 13-year-old kid, we did a family vacation, and Yellowstone was one of those points. So I've been pretty close, I guess, to Red Lodge, Montana. Probably so. Probably okay. so. Very good. So I was going to – and now – okay, so let's let's go back. I should have asked you this right away. Why is Billings terrible? It's just a sprawl. They have a sugar beet factory in Billings as well, and the smell is just ungodly. So <laughs> now you would think, honey, what could be bad about honey? Sugar right? beets. Oh, sugar beets. I thought you said, wow. I thought I heard bees. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> the the famous sugar bee. Yeah, <laughs> and now I realize. Yeah. Okay. I'll announce. Let's it. move on. Yeah, yeah. That's my bad. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's a total brain fart. Sugar beets. Okay, so Dwight Schrute would love um, Red Lodge, Montana. Would he not? Dwight Schrute would absolutely love Billings. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I did. I said Red Lodge, didn't I? Billings. Yes. Billings. Okay. And now, but you enjoyed Red Lodge. I did. It's I did. at the base of the mountains or something. You said right at the base. Um, we've got around Ski Mountain. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of outdoor activities to to do growing up. That was actually about the only thing to do growing up was out outside. Outside, well, there's a lot of outside in Montana. Yes, that's which when you think about that sentence, I guess that's just simply a stat, isn't it? How much outside there is in any state? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there, just it's, a number. There's no more or less outside yeah, in Montana could, per square mile. <laughs> right, calculate the square foot of each building and then subtract it from the how much outside per square mile. That's actually true. Okay, yeah, well. Anyway, that's one reason I, uh, I'm here now in Central Coast. It feels like there's more outside compared to Orange County, Southern California. So uh, the, the more outside, the better, even though this is a statistically incorrect statement. But whatever. We're going right. with it. Um, 
<laughs> okay. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, now, now, so we're just missing the college years and how you ended up in uh, Central Coast here. Uh, would you care to catch us up on that? The college years. Do you remember any of your college years? I do. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that long ago, actually. I graduated two years ago from the University of Montana, where I studied psychology. Hmm. Because well, I started out studying physics, and then eventually I think everybody who Changes really doesn't love math <laughs> switches. So, physics, interesting, yeah. So I, I went through four years of school. I was an excellent student. but Four-year plan, that's good. Yeah, no, I, it was kind of miraculous that I made it. Um, <laughs> but I had a band all through college, so that kept me occupied on the side. Cool. Um, originally, I wasn't going to go to college, and I took a year off, moved to Europe for a year. No way. Bummed around. I was a sound technician for a bunch of this German theater company. No way. Now, this was before college. This, this was, was that after was high my, school. After high school. Like eight, age of 18 or whatever. 18, You moved yeah. to Europe. A month after Alone. I graduated high school, I moved to Europe. Landed in Belgium. I was working wow. as a chauffeur for this rich guy and his BMW. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild time. I would just go out. He, I would drop him off at his place of work, and then I, he would just let me take his BMW on the back streets of Belgium, and I would just haul. No way. <laughs> just town to town and get coffee and chocolates and oh Bel oh heck yeah and Damn. beer yeah belgian beer is wonderful it truly truly is yeah there's this weird thing that happens to me occasionally there's like a certain well i mean this is uh off topic number five already on this podcast but they always say since i i'm a um i wouldn't say i'm a recovering beer snob i'm a uh, once a beer snob always a beer snob i suppose but um like the bel the whole thing with the Belgian ales is there's a floral quality to mm -hmm. them, and there's like a certain flower. I'll just be out in the world, and I'll I'll get this smell, and I'm like, I need a Belgian beer. <laughs> like it reminds me of a delicious uh, Belgian double or something, right. and I I need it now. Uh, I almost literally yesterday I forget where I was, I smelled that smell, and I was like, where can I buy a Belgian beer? Yeah. I just needed one immediately. Yeah, I know. I fell in love, and yeah. even their cheap beers. Like what's the what's the Lefe? Is that Lefe Blonde? That's like the uh -huh. is that the cheap Belgian beer? That was the classic. Or you, I would always get Duvels. Oh yeah, Duvels. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Well, but it's not cheap over here, but maybe over there it is. It it was cheap. It's got a oh high gosh. alcohol content, yeah. so was, you could drink one or two and be and you're good. Really ready to play a show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes, I guess. Huh? Uh huh. <laughs> Did you uh, actually? So there you go. Did you play any music over there uh, in Europe? I played. I played more private parties than anything else. I played a little bit in Scotland when I was ah. kind of bumming around Scotland. So uh, a guitar was one of the things you took with you to Europe? Yes. Yeah. A guitar was... Probably it, the largest object you took, I would imagine. It was, yeah. by far. I, yeah. I took a small bag of clothes, which I probably had two jeans, two <laughs> pairs of jeans. Were they black Levi's by any chance? They were both of them black Levi's. <laughs> it's kind of a staple. Hey, uh, okay, we'll pause your story because I want to hear about this. But did you happen to buy any uh, jeans recently? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just earlier today in the beautiful Morro Bay, I found a pair, beautiful pair of American-made button-fly 3636 Levi black jeans the denim quality was incredible and it <laughs> i walked into the store first saw him left the store 
bought a winter jacket. I've got this is off topic as well, but well, I've yeah, got yeah. A, I'm going to explain why the heck we just started talking about okay. this in a minute. But go ahead. But I uh, and I bought a, a huge winter jacket. It's you know like 80 it, degrees. It out. does get down to like you know 40 on the coldest night of the year in this county. So right, and uh, so <laughs> and it's funny because I probably my girlfriend's going to be so mad when I get back to San Luis tonight with this winter jacket because I I have a probably 30 oh my gosh. winter jackets it's it's <laughs> it's like my big obsession is buying different this quality. is your crutch this is your crutch in life yeah winter jackets I'm, it's I moved to California and uh, the the thing that took up the most <laughs> space in my car I packed everything in a Jeep Wrangler when I moved down here from California and it was my guitar amp and my jackets in the back of my car oh my gosh um, <laughs> Well, they, they work great as, like, uh, padding for all the other stuff. So if you ever yeah. have to move, just, you know, you just winter jackets. No kidding. <laughs> I could, you know, take a whole china shop. <laughs> there you go. It's just wrapped in... Nothing would be harmed in the... Right, uh, yeah. cashmere. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, people, the reason we just went on a two-minute conversation about jeans is because... We were testing mics earlier, and I just asked Eli to tell me a story. And he's like, so I bought these jeans today. Anyway, and that was like the, the to me, it appeared to be the highlight of Eli's day, because it was the most enthusiasm I'd seen from him <laughs> since yeah. he walked in my front door. Uh, even beyond me offering him a beer, like the jeans were above the beer. Uh, anyway, so I just, it was a perfect moment to go 100% off track and confuse every listener right now. So... I interrupted that you were in Europe and uh, somehow jeans. Scotland. You're bumming around Scotland. Yeah, I was bumming Uh, around. Oh, your guitar was the largest object you had. It was, it was. It was the biggest thing I brought. You brought two jeans. And I brought two pairs of jeans. There we go. There we go. That's how we got there. But (laughs) no, so I got to Europe and I'm working these odd jobs, fixing sound equipment after I was this guy's, as the chauffeur for this guy. And so I start fixing this sound equipment. Not that I know anything about sound equipment, I'm like cleaning these huge amps that get rented out to this German theater company called Landgraf. And um, eventually there's, I got this, the sound technician for an Irish dance band in Hamburg, Germany. It's like probably six musicians and ten tap dancers. Wow. And the sound technician for this group got sick. Uh-huh. And so they, there was this like, they needed a sound guy. I was fixing sound equipment and the, the sound equipment company I was working for was like Eli you wanna you wanna give this a shot you you wanna go up to Hamburg and run sound for this group and I was like you know what heck yeah just say yes <laughs> you're in Europe alone just say yes so yeah. I sh- you know I took the train up there and then I just started running sound for this group it was bizarre there I had to manage like 10 or 12 mics and not knowing anything about it was I, I, I was just sort of like a fish out of water, but I learned pretty quick, and it was super fun, and then I ended up working for a bunch of weird groups, Australian circus shows, and... You're like the the sound guy now. Yeah, then I was the sound guy. And then the, I, the Europe sound guy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bizarre experience, but it ended up... I got a lot more familiar with sound and sound yeah. technology and sound technology... <laughs> That's a that's it's a, a phrase. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> People who are like OCD and you really care about like saying the exact correct thing will be shutting this podcast off. Right. Because of me 
mostly, and now you that was it. That yep. was the last straw. <laughs> sound technology. I'm a sound technologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we mentioned ornithologists in the beginning, oh, man. so... All kind of ologists. Yeah, we're... We're on a good. I'm a soundologist. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, so I haven't ever traveled Europe. I know many people have. So my obvious question is like language barrier. Like you lived in Belgium. I've heard Scotland. And then you did. There's an Irish dance group in Germany. So how language wise, how did all this work? I mean, everyone speaks English. For the most part, yeah. if you're, I'd spent a lot of the time in Germany, and do everyone was speaking English in Germany. Yeah. Um. So that was super helpful. The one group of people that didn't speak very much English in Germany was all the stagehands. We'd get to a new theater, and I'd be in charge of setting up all the sound equipment, and there'd be like, you know, six to eight German stagehands that I was responsible for directing. And um, most of them could speak English, but there was always that one or two shows in a small town where no one spoke any English. Uh, And so at that point, it was like motioning i would point yeah, yeah. i was like this cable i'd point to it and then i would like snake with my fingers where i wanted it to go and <laughs> they could eventually and it, it but it ended up working out and everyone it's the nicest group of, i mean i just i fell in love with the germans man they're they're just incredible and they would always offer you so they got me smoking cigarettes that's the only thing that i can hold against europe, so the you smoking cigarettes in europe is still a big thing right oh this, yeah it's true yeah Oh yeah, California. They've almost outlawed it at this point. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like yeah. a criminal, twenty four seven for yeah. for smoking cigarettes. Yeah. But uh, it's the a bad law, habit. Kids. The laws about. Uh, I mean, and so this is uh, some context. I came from Pennsylvania. Now Pennsylvania, I've learned now, is actually a somewhat highly regulated state as well with all their laws. But California is clear a clear number one with laws and regulations and everything. So, you know, you have to be a certain amount of feet away from a building in California. It's like you have to be away from humans. Like, you can't be within 50 feet of a human. You have to, like, be on, a, on an island somewhere to be able to smoke a cigarette. Apparently. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true. And it's... I always tell myself it's for the best. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm looking out for the kids yeah. by refraining. Yeah. Because um, the last thing I want is a... A kid to think I'm cool, one of the cool oh, guys yeah, smoking yeah. cigarettes, because yeah. I'm not. But well, <laughs> well, now that this is funny though, because I it's not something I noticed right away when I moved to California, but then I would go back to Pennsylvania or some other state, and you go into a restaurant and there's like you just smells like cigarette smoke inside. And I'm like, oh, that's why the law exists, you know, in California. Right. So it's sort of one of those I never thought it needed to exist, being from a place where people, you know, there's no restrictions on where you can smoke, and then is. Just an interesting perspective change. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. Um, this is fun. I, uh, you're like the most interesting man in the world. There's so much more than meets the eye. Um, I did. There was one thought I uh, I had, and that's anyone. If you're like scared of doing some big, cool journey like Eli did to Europe, like Eli, you only knew English. You're, you're unilingual. Yep. And it's like, I, did you even? Is that even something you considered before you went, or you were just like, I'm going to freaking Europe? I was just. I was just going to Europe. I was, yeah. I was just ready. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, yeah, don't let stuff, don't like little. Oh well, I can't speak language. Maybe I shouldn't go. Like, dude, just, just do the thing that you want to do. Just, yeah, just do it, and uh, you'll figure it out. You know, right? But that's what I, that's what I get from that story. That's pretty cool. Yep. 
that's um, that's the truth right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, this is the point at which we normally do a song, uh, so I think we're going to do that. I, I, uh, it's, I think every podcast we've uh, learned about your musical background first, but hey, this will be fun. We'll hear you, and then we'll learn about your musical background. So uh, give us a quick moment, and Eli will play a song in a sec. All right, uh, Eli is prepared to play the first song. He's also officially the tallest guest I've had on. I was not used to extending my mic stands as high as they are right now. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Big honor, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, so with that being said, why don't you tell us about your first song, what it's called, uh, any story behind it. All right, the first song is, I call it just $50 Dress. Um, the story, it's actually got kind of an interesting story behind it. I never ever tell this story, but my, for my senior project when I was in college, I, it was like, I was in the honors college and I had to do this big senior project and everyone was doing these crazy art projects. And I was like, I'm going to write an EP about mental health. Cause I was a psychology major. Hmm. And, um, so I read this book it was called a mind that found itself it's by clifford beers it came out in like the 1920s and it's a book that kind of started this this mental hygiene movement uh and it was basically about his descent into sort of a schizophrenic type of mental breakdown his experience in a mental hospital um and it led it was one of like the driving factors for this mental hygiene sort of revitalization movement of cleaning up all these um, different psychiatric facilities that along with like Dorothea Dix who is a, another big mental health reformist um, so I locked myself in this cabin in the woods for a week and I wrote an EP and um, and this was one of the songs that came out of that here it goes I'm gonna be the lover in the $50 dress Pass the flask so I can pass the test I'm gonna write a letter to the editor Confess Transgressions, the offense of loving him to death, of loving him to death. Hospital beds, parachutes, match my neck, my mouth opens to boulders, then closes, cold shouldered. Doctors, imposters, fast, foster kids, fast asleep. Who is this pricking my arm? One black blue pill make this blue white boy pale Like when it rains over rivers of wine Run from it and run from it And run to the forest blank blanket yourself in wilderness 
Run to the forest, plank planky yourself in wilderness. Sweat pools and puddles bubble up through the muscles White knuckled fanged angels play games in my tangled hair I see stars on the ceiling, strawberries on the ground Black blood dripping from a collar suit coming from a man Claimed to be my brother, bowl of cherry lies I spit to room 205 I danced with death, left my ankles a mess Now I'm reckless detectives, mass mess with my senses Leave IV evidences and put me on trial not a killer, not a shooter, just a jumper. Not a killer, not a shooter, just a jumper. Trying to find the way out of my head. Ripples, they are rippling. Cause I'm gonna be the lover in a 50 dollar dress. I'm gonna be the lover. In a fifty-dollar dress, my only request, my only request, lay me down in a casket next to his. Let the alchemy release me from the skin. Let me swim to the night, that cold moonlight. All right, Eli, that song was excellent. That's the first song I think I heard you play, and uh, doesn't doesn't get any worse, and it doesn't get old. Uh, thank gosh, it's a, it's a son of a gun to sing sometimes. <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the cool, and I, I'm glad you played that song first, uh, listeners. I have no, I purposely give no input onto what songs I want people to sing. I want it to be their choice, um, but I'm glad that was the first one because uh, when you when you hear Eli do that live, it's uh, I love it because whatever level they've set the microphone at for the person who's before you, it always just explodes when you get to that high part, and I, that's like my favorite part. Is it like this hurts my ears? But I'm happy that it hurts my ears. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I never. It starts out so low, and then I, I jump. I always feel. Recently, when I've been playing gigs, the, the wonderful Steve Key, who who helps so many local musicians in the Central Coast find music. Uh, yeah. He introduces me. He always comments on my voice before I go on, so I feel obligated to to start oh, yeah. with a song yeah. that like requires me that, to that showcases that showcases my voice yeah. uh so i always end up starting with that song <laughs> no pressure yeah. right <laughs> um but it's it's always just funny yeah you know it is funny this you're actually not the first person um to mention this because you know so you think from steve's perspective you know he's trying to make the crowd excited that someone's coming on and you know and he's complimenting you in front of everybody right like you would obviously want him to do that but right. then as the performer you're like oh dang like now i gotta yeah i gotta, gotta live up to that you know right <laughs> but uh but yeah hey it, you obviously earned his good opinion of you so there we you know, go that's a good way to look at it right right um okay so this is always a fun question now that um people have seen you or well heard you i guess if you're listening 
Um, but you'll also see it if you watch the video. So tell us about the guitar that you play. Uh, what Was there a, a time you found it and it was your immediate lover in a $50 dress? Or... Um, it was <laughs> that joke did not work it, <laughs> it took me a second to get go i got it eventually okay. no, um, but tell us yeah tell us uh, your story behind this guitar and why you like it i've always played canadian acoustic guitars i started out playing in norman um never with, heard of it it's a it's like a mid-range acoustic guitar brand it's a uh, made by godane oh yeah okay godan yeah, I don't know. It's I one know. of those, I don't know, yeah. French Go, Actually, that makes, okay, if it's French, yeah, it's probably Godin. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> um, so I started out playing one of those. My dad played one, and his. He, I learned on how to play music on his guitar, which was a Norman. So I got a Norman as my first cool. guitar. And um, I wanted to stick with a Canadian, French-Canadian-made huh. acoustic guitar with, you know, an unlaminated top. Uh, and oh, they just, okay. they a solid top, a solid top, yeah. yeah. And um, they just made beautiful guitars, and I played one once, and I ordered it online, got it, and just now oh. I'm in love with it. Yeah. So you never actually played this model until you got it in the mail, right? Ah, yeah, interesting. But you were satisfied when you got it. I was, I was very satisfied yeah. when I got it. Um, no, that's good. So anyone, anyone, if you're shopping for an acoustic guitar. The number one thing you should look for is solid top. You don't want ply or yeah or laminated top. That's the w number one surface that vibrates on an acoustic. It gives it all the tone and body. Yeah. I used to work on guitars, so. Oh, gotcha. Uh, solid top acoustic. That's the number one thing. Yes, you'll you can't get a hundred dollar Walmart guitar that has a solid top, but if you're willing to go maybe two fifty three hundred, you'll start finding solid top acoustics. Makes a world of difference. It really does. So good call. Um, okay, good. And you kind of um, transitioned us into how you learned guitar. So perfect, because that's where I wanted to go with you. Um, so your dad played, it sounds like. Um, so yeah, tell us, uh, like, when was the first time you picked up an instrument? What led up to that? Do you even remember the first time? Or was it so early? No, it wasn't. It wasn't so early. Um, I grew up around music because my dad and my uncle had a like a little bluegrass duo growing oh, cool. up and they they would play all over the state quick pause yeah is that montana is it is bluegrass like big time it's pretty big time yeah a lot of little singer songwriter bluegrassy type of groups i was trying to imagine in montana like it seems to me like that's what i thought before you got here is i bet bluegrass is the music in yeah. montana it, it, it really is okay um so they had the they had this little bluegrass folky group and um, and I used to tour with them all the time. Nice. Go all over the state. They played in Yellowstone every every week. Wow. Uh, for several summers at the Old Faithful Inn. Uh, so I was always around music, and um, but I I actually started playing bass before I played guitar, just because okay. I wanted to be the oddball out of the family. My brothers played guitar. Even my younger brother was playing guitar, and I was like, I don't want to play guitar. I Everyone play plays bass. guitar. Yeah. And then, um, so I started playing bass, and I was terrible at it. And then I was like, man, I just need something to sing to. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just learn how to play guitar, and yeah. then I'll have a vessel for something I can sing on. 
So that's kind of the the story behind it. Yeah. So uh, well, then fill us in on when was the moment you realized you wanted to sing? You said you wanted something you can sing over. So that means there must have been a moment you sang along, or maybe that. Oh, I was always a singer ah. from from day one. I was okay. just belting as loud and as to anything I could. So I asked the wrong question. I asked about the guitar, but you, it was actually singing. Yeah, was the first singing. Singing has always been gotcha. Got my it's been my heartstrings, and my whole family, other than my mother, is just terrific singers. Nice. Um, and so, all my music that's kind of led up to where I am has always just kind of been the back, the backbone. Or okay. it's just been stuff that I can play, so I can sing over. Gotcha. Um, but I was singing at a young age. I watched a lot of Who videos when I was a kid. Oh, so, so you saw a lot of drum sets explode and a lot uh, of drum sets explode. A lot, a lot of, of instruments of, bite the dust. Right, right. <laughs> a lot of big long leather jackets by the man Roger Daltrey. I mean, everyone was a Pete Townsend fan, but Roger Daltrey also had some flair to him. So we used to, me and my brothers used to put on these little fake shows where you know you'd have one with a tennis racket and i put on my michael jordan jersey and a do-rag <laughs> and i would just be roger daltrey no but a basketball version <laughs> of course because because you're like a you know six-year-old kid who yeah yeah, yeah. it's a costume it's yeah fine. that's right yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's what if pete can wear a white jumpsuit i can wear a michael jordan yeah, jersey yeah it's and, really yeah <laughs> so singing was your first love musically yes yep. um so uh over the years have you taken vocal lessons did you sing in choirs uh have you had instruction or are you basically self-taught uh vocally i was self-taught until i got to college mm. and then i was like you know what i'm gonna try out i'm gonna try to study just a little bit of voice, maybe see if I can sing in the vocal department at the University of Montana. And uh, so I had to go and I did the tryouts and and they're all singing, you know, musical numbers. And for right. my tryouts, show I, tunes, right, show tunes. And so to try out, I sang like a Bob Dylan song and an Amy Winehouse song. Nice. And uh, and they were like, yeah, you can, you've got a pretty good voice. Let's. Um, so it was. I trained. I professionally trained in the vocal department there where, you know, I was singing German and Italian operas yeah. and I uh, ended up singing, you know, a bunch of show tunes. Uh, so it kind of, I, I gained a, a pretty deep appreciation for musical theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I really like singing that type of stuff because it's just fun to sing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's written for vocals. Right. So... Yeah, it's designed to be sung and by a specific voice part. So if you are that voice part, it's like this is going to be a yeah, and it's, it's a made for vocals. I mean, and and singing those show tune stuffs, it's it's funny, but it influenced my own songs and my own writing. Hmm. Um, so often you hear those, and they have like it's so paced, like just the way that the phrasing is. Uh, and just how they arranged lyrics in those musical theater pieces, yeah. I thought was super cool. And yeah. <laughs> it ended up, it ended up playing a, a decent role in some of my writing. 
Cool. So uh, as you guys can hear, our the cat is uh, was sleeping and has slept for most of these podcast episodes, but he is awake and uh, thriving. So <laughs> you may hear some more meows. So just warning to everybody. Um, no, this, this is kind of interesting. So that was in college. Yeah. When you were doing this, and uh, let's see, you made you were physics and psychology. So this was a extracurricular kind of. You joined the school choir. Yeah, I joined the school choir. I sang with their vocal department. It was kind of, it was all on the side. Um, I, I, I was lucky enough I to to score a like a, a full ride scholarship to oh, nice. to university. So yeah. I had a, and I and I came into school with a bunch of credits already. So wow. I had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of room to do nice. kind of my own stuff. So cool. like, I took a lot of voice classes. You at least filled it with productive things, it sounds right, like. Right, right. Yeah. I had two big interests in college, and that was studying voice and studying Italian history. Wow. Those were my big fun fun things wow. I, I did. So, And the reason I ask that is, so, I mean, between the years of basically 2012 to 2016, or 2013 to 2017, mm-hmm. uh, that's your college years, you were studying those things vocally, it sounds like. Yep. Well, that's funny, because that is around the same time I got voice lessons for the first time, and my teacher was also teaching me show tunes and stuff like that. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. That's pretty cool. And I would imagine you're a tenor. Is that what they consider you? Yeah. Like a, like a uh, what, a tenor one? Like the high tenor? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm a bare tenor, apparently, is what I am. There you go. I'm a low tenor. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, and so the reason this all came up is because we were talking about vocal warm-ups earlier. So is that something you were taught in college as part of either the choir or in vocal lessons there? Yep. That was all my vocal warm-ups, which sound ridiculous to anybody who hasn't taken voice lessons. Right. Um, because it just sounds so goofy because your tongue's in a weird position and you're just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's pr- that might be too loud for the podcast, yeah, maybe, but it, that's what I checked. But we'll see. <laughs> um, it's just uh, it's weird. So I learned yeah. all that stuff, yeah, from a from a really great uh, vocal professor. Um, Shout him out, Remember Creighton James. There you go. Was killer. Now he's he's teaching at UNLV right now. Oh, cool. Um, but really, really nice guy. Really helped me a lot with voice. Cool. Yeah, we all need those people. The right. People who bring us to the next level, you know, show us the way. Um, so this is going back in time now um, because we fast forwarded to college. But so what were some of your, uh, so you talked about your dad was in a bluegrass band and so you were always around bluegrass, obviously. Um, but was there like a, uh, I'm trying to think in the 90s, it would have been CDs probably, but a band or artist or a song that you like got hooked on and really just latched onto their music and it could have been really early but like what do you remember really uh a song or an artist that you just got obsessed with and fell in love with the who was it maybe the who or what age are we talking are we talking like uh earliest what's the earliest one the earliest one was the doors the doors my uncle gave me a doors greatest hits double cd it was the first cd i owned personally so I'd have my Walkman, and I would put on the doors. And I would walk to my grandma's house every day, just riders on the stone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and then as I grew up, I've go I go in and out of doors phases. I'm like, oh, yeah. the doors stink, <laughs> and then I'm like, no, they are just so no. The doors good. are the truth. They are incredible. <laughs> um, but that's probably my earliest. That was my early. That was like my big first CD. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, you always remember that. That's why I ask. It's yeah. Like you know, there's always something that made an impression. So do you think that has influenced some of your songs? Uh, do you, Do you think there's any connection or? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I have a whole catalog of songs that are just they're like my Doors tapes. Wow. And it's just like me trying to be as much like Jim Morrison as I can. When I was in my college band, actually, like. I would watch Jim Morrison videos because half the time when I was on stage in this band, I wasn't playing guitar. I was just singing. Oh, yeah. Boy. And um, I was just doing as much of the weird no snake dancing as I could. <laughs> I had super long, much longer hair than I do. It was down oh, yeah. to like my nipples. And I was, and it was just, so as much of, and in some of my writing as well, but a lot of it, I have a whole probably year of writing that is very Doors heavily influenced. Cool. So tell us about then your college band. Like, what kind of music was it? What were you guys called? Like, just tell me all that. We were, we called, we were Newlyweds was the name oh, of yeah. our band. Oh, yeah. Okay. You mentioned this. Yeah. Yeah. We that. put out a record. We did a tour. We toured the U.S. Um, we were like the college it band. No way. Yeah. And if any of my college friends are listening to this, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> the college it band. But we, we were like a college band that we were playing like some of the better venues in Missoula. Um, I don't know how we got those gigs because it was a, just kind of a mess. We were just kind of that loud college rock and roll party okay. band. And I had an incredible guitar player. Jackson Holty, who just who made us sound professional. Nice. And um, and I also had my. I had room. one of those too at one point. Yeah. Oh, how fun is that to play yeah. with an incredible guitar? You're like, player? yeah, man, I wrote this song. It's good. And then he just starts soloing. Byron Byron Toms, if you're listening, you just like, oh crap. Right. Le- legit. Yeah. Um. And so I lucked out with him, and then my roommate at the time, Ian Strawn is a musical mastermind and probably the best songwriter that I know and I would play him a song and he would arrange it for the band. Nice. So I could kind of just like sit back, we'd have band practice, he would set up like drums, I want these drums to do this Perfect. here, bass, you're going to be doing this. Song structure, yeah, instruments coming in and out. And uh, so he, 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 he was in charge of how the song was going to be as a band. And I would just write them. Yeah. And I, I've got this theory about playing guitar where I only need three strings. So <laughs> almost any time I am trying to play something on guitar, I'm trying to figure out different ways I can only play it on three strings, which is which super cheap. Which three strings? I have an gu- electric guitar at my house, and the only strings I have on it are an E, an A, and a G. Uh, E, A... Gee, wait, so you're skipping strings. I'm skipping strings. So low E? Low E, A, and, and G. Then G. <laughs> and those are the, I don't even have the other strings on the guitar. So I'm thinking about the song you just played. There's that do-do-ding, Was Is that on those three strings by any chance? No, that's not, but... Um, but it's still three notes. But it's three notes. It's arpeggio. Right. The whole song, basically. 
and I hang on two notes the whole time, and I'm just moving the bass notes. Dude, so that's great. Um, but I had this college band, and it was super fun, and we were just, you know, it was like the party band. Yeah. And we were all, you know, we there was a lot of drinking involved. There was, I mean, there was times we would, I would go full makeup, probably half no the shows. No way. Just wearing ridiculous clothes, just as as much Bowie as I could be. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going for. Dude, it sounds, yeah. Well, I mean, so as you described this, to me, it sounds like you guys had all the elements. You had the the talent, right? It's like that thing you do. You know, that, have you seen that movie, that thing you do? No. Oh, my gosh. You got to see it. And listeners, you got to see it. So it's Tom Hanks directed, but it's about this band in like the 50s or the 60s. Write this catchy song, becomes a huge radio hit. Anyway, at this one point, there's like, he's like, there's the talent, there's the smart one. Anyway, enough about that movie. I'm saying your band sounds like you had the talent, which you called your guitar player. Oh, yeah. You had the vocalist who would do all the stage moves. You had the arranger who would put the songs together. I mean, that sounds to me like no wonder you guys did well. We had a. Because you had all the pieces. Cool set. And the best part about it was was all the members of the band, Brody, our drummer, Nick, our bass player, we were just super good friends. Yeah, and there you go. And that's, it uh, was like, it was never a chore. And it was exactly how music should be. Just so much fun. And so I look back on that, and now I'm playing solo, and it's like, man, I miss playing in a band. Yeah. Um, and now with my my most recent project, Pictures of Lips, um, under the the artist name, it it's me and this other guy, and it's it's more of a recording project as opposed to a live project, and um, and it's a whole different different feel to it. There's um, I miss the the live aspect, but there's there's I'm discovering these new things you can do, just in with production and right. as a recording artist that I think is just super fun. Yeah. Um, great. So, yeah, I teased this in the first minute of the podcast when I talked about my artist, Devin Townsend, that I discovered in the last year. He has this super 80s demo song, which, by the way, when you mentioned that you uh, studied operatic and maybe not operatic, but classical and show tunes, more reason you should check out Devin Townsend because he's one of the most unbelievable vocalists in any style you can imagine. Cool. He can sing classical. He can scream his head off and make you want to curl up in the fetal position. I mean, he's <laughs> he's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so yeah, pictures of lips. So Eli told me about this a few days ago when we scheduled this podcast uh, interview, and yeah, I listened to it, and it was in my. I, I messaged him three seconds after I heard the beginning, <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, this is '80s," <laughs> and you said, "Yeah, we tried to go full '80s." Um, we did. So pictures of lips, yeah. I think you guys, it is, it is not. Well, you know, I, Eli gave me a. What was it? You told me, it's weird. You're like, yep, it's that, really weird. It's, it's, you gave me the warning or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I'm like, whatever, man. I'm like, so yeah. And listeners, if uh, I don't usually promote myself here, so uh, maybe you met me playing live and slow, where I play acoustic and sing my stuff. Uh, maybe your old friends or stuff, but uh, if you've seen me acoustic and that's it, like you hear my album, it's it's a different story. It's heavy electric guitars and drums and uh, anyway. So that's what I enjoyed about is that I, I know this side of Eli that I see on stage with the voice. Everyone knows the voice, you know. But then you hear this album and you're like, whoa, 
This is totally different. Yeah. So I, for one, I guess my first point is I just I love when an artist, uh, a musician is multifaceted. They're not just the one thing. You discover, oh, there's this whole other part of this person uh, that uh, gets tapped into. So I, I actually, I, I never do this. I started taking notes when I listened to it, <laughs> and I have stuff to ask you. Let's uh, hear it in comments. <clears throat> so listeners, yeah, look up. Pictures of Lips is the band name. Yep. And is that also what this first five-song album is called, Pictures of Lips? Yep. Because, yeah, because there's a song called Pictures of Lips. Right. So you could listen to Pictures of Lips, Pictures of Lips, Pictures of Lips. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's <laughs> Artist, <laughs> album, song. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, I want to know some production stuff. Uh, I'll ask you that in a second. Um, but here's, uh, there was the song Champion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um there's a vibe to it and it's like an emotion and I it's something I love and it's very to me it's like nostalgic or like to me it feels like I'm reflecting upon memories mm-hmm. you know and there was like a 10 year period of my songwriting that was all that kind of like minor key kind of I don't know and I, does that kind of register when when I'm talking about that song yeah does absolutely. that make sense and I realized now I heard that song and this the song that the listeners have already heard the first one you played that's kind of like a theme of your music actually I've right is you all have it's, it's it's a little bit maybe some people would call it dark um, but dude that's that's like that's my jam right there so I don't know is there wh- where does that come from is that just always the kind of music you've gravitated towards or like why why do you create stuff like that it's it all traces back to this the biggest modern influence on my songwriting is it's a band called The National. Okay. Um I think I've heard of them, but I don't think I've heard the music. It's it's all dark, it's sort of Leonard Cohen y. Okay. Um But I just gravitate gravitate towards this sort of dark, sad type of songs, and that song especially where it's all you're just sort of like looking back and I try to get as much like modern references as I can into my music like um at one point in that song it's like um I talk about Seinfeld really I missed it somehow and um and it's I was like <coughs> how can I I wanted to like relate this this lyric which is um cork up the wine I'll be gone before it's time for Seinfeld okay and I was like how can I get all these like because Seinfeld was such a big thing and I was like how can I get these 30s like all these people that were like watching Seinfeld in the 90s like how can I draw them in with a lyric and (laughs) I was like man that was a Seinfeld was a cultural phenomenon yeah and um and but I can go from I like to go from mentioning things like Seinfeld to, you know, going talking about you know drug use and, you know, eating people's brains. I bring up at one point <laughs> in that song, and uh, and that's a direct reference back to a, a national lyric that I oh, really yeah. like. So, um, so and this so this is interesting. So you love dark. Music, you basically just said, right? Yeah. Like writing it. Do you consider yourself like a uh, a sad or a dark person? Oh, now that's a loaded question. Well, I didn't. I uh, 
Go ahead. I don't know. I, I'm interested in your thoughts. I didn't. Uh, I didn't, wasn't intending it to be a loaded question. <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> I'm not a dark person. I do like dark comedies, though. Ah, okay. So there's, I have, there's like a a dark part of me that is, yeah. It's it's every. I think everyone has it. I think it's just more interesting. It's more fun. It's like when you see those paintings. And, um, like, I would never want to go and look at a bunch of Monet's when I have the chance to go see, uh, Goya or something. When you, like, there's something that is just so attracting about the creepy. Yeah. And the, the surreal creepiness. And yeah. I like to try to get as surreal as I can with some of my lyrics. Cool. That's actually a great answer because I, I realize now the way I asked that question... I mean, like, I, I'm glad you answered it that way because that's, uh, if I were asked that question, if I was sitting on the couch and someone asked me that question, I would make a joke and then, like, go another direction. <laughs> so I appreciate that you, uh, like, really, like, am I, do I have a dark side? Like, yeah. And you're right. Everyone does. I think that's something we fail to, uh, um, this is, this has nothing to do with where I'm trying to go, but I, I want to acknowledge your answer because it's, I think there's so much truth in it. Um, is uh, something that drives me crazy is when you'll you'll see something in the news and hear about some some murderer or you know some some horrible thing and people I you hear this line like how could somebody do that and my thought is you could do that like I could do that you know, there, there's right. there's a you don't realize how close you are to doing something horrible it just just the right circumstances or the right person has to anger you or whatever fill in the blank but I think that's in all of us so. It kind of drives me crazy when someone's looks at something bad that someone did and says, "Oh, I would never do that." You know, that must right. be that person must be of a different. Um, they must be in a different tier than me. I am clearly up here, and I would never drop to that level. Like I think we all would in the right circumstance. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 the beauty of having being able to have those thoughts and not act on them and just kind of revel in this just sort of dark creepiness that is if nothing else just interesting to think about yeah so i th i think where my question came from and th so i'll just tell you how it is for me is um people meet me and they're like matt is a super friendly super happy person and then you find out that i love death metal and i play hockey which everyone <laughs> associates with punching people in the face by the way, there's more to hockey than punching people in the face. But, <laughs> you know, and so I usually tell people, the fact that I listen to metal and play hockey is why I have no anger left for the rest of the world. Right. You know, oh, and, and you hear my music, and I'm a very happy person, and then my music tends to be more sad and more minor key and more introspective. Um, and so that that's why I was asking you that question, is do you write this dark music? But upon meeting you, like, you don't, you don't come across to me as a dark, sad, brooding um, person. You know, right, uh, that's that's what I meant. I don't know if you have anything no. further to. I'm an excellent brooder, though. Excellent brooder. I do. Yeah. I can brood with the best of them. <laughs> that's true. I think that's at least a good songwriting because you sit in this emotion or this feeling, and you just right. like suck everything out of it, and you're like, "Tell me how horrible I feel right now." Yeah. Just like dive in to the depths of that feeling. Yeah. You put it in a song, and then. Uh, now you can move on because you've you've explored that whole deep hole in yourself, right? You know where all that stuff came from. That's how I feel, at least. 
Yeah, no, it's it's part of the songwriting process. <laughs> um, it's funny. I've only asked you one question about your album, and I was just talking about all the stuff I want to ask you. So let me <laughs> let me ask you a few more. Um, oh yeah. So uh, I was asking you this earlier, but this is a good chance to um, kind of shout someone out. I love the production on it because, like I said, it's very '80s. There's all these sounds on it that makes me think of like the Cars. Um, you know, these synth sounds right. and just a lot of these like stutter stops, um, just really cool production. Like, um, I guess, and this ties into something you said earlier where you talked about, you would do like face paint David Bowie for live stuff is the fact how you totally bought in to a, a sound, you know? And so I think it's the second song on it. It's actually darker than champion. You were saying that's a dark song, right? The second song is like a really, like a deep groove low bass stuff and you don't really even i wouldn't say you sing in it no i don't know if you really rap but you it's just this low like aggressive kind of yeah thing it, it's bizarre and yeah. um that song it's called dracula disaster but i always refer to it as down and out or rolled out which is the first line of the song oh, okay um and um this is a good chance to pictures of lips is me and my best friend growing up through we went to college together um what's his name reed edwards and he and, now lives in slow you see and he now lives in slow and he is the other half of pictures and lips pictures of lips he did all the production on it um and like that second song the the dark song the dracula disaster song um i did nothing other than vocals on that song yeah. like he he came up with the all the production by himself um and he's just a little lyrics I wrote all the lyrics, okay. so the, that's always been my job. But um, but so he he sent me that that beat a couple a couple months ago, and I was tasked with like, okay, I gotta find something to sing over this, and it was really hard because it's not it, it it's got this low groove to it, like this just sort of dark groove, and at first I tried to sing on it and I couldn't. <laughs> because yeah. it was impossible so i i chose this like low rhythmic pacing and i actually took a uh like this this poem that i had written in a college creative writing class and um i was just sitting at home on my laptop and i was just like okay what if i just kind of speak this ah. and uh it ended up i was able to to fit it to the beat and it and it came out with this this rhythmic dark kind of club song yeah yeah that's a good word for it and um and it reminded me of being in all these weird german clubs when i was <laughs> overseas where they were listening to house and techno music and it's and it's just got this thumping beat that yeah. is and it's just and it came out as being like a this sort of goofy song at times even but uh, that was the first one we had actually done. Oh, no way. That was the first one. Yeah. Wow. Cool. It's probably, I'd say it's the most extreme, just the most bizarre, maybe. Like the, if if someone has seen you live, such as myself, and heard your right. voice, and then you hear that song, you're like, that is not the same guy. Right. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's totally uh, different than what I usually do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And, and the, the reason I say it's cool that like you bought in to, you know, is that I've always I, what I'm I'm in my mid thirties and I'm like, uh, what if uh, 
like what what is my voice like what is my voice best suited for you know because i listen to heavy music and i've done heavy music and actually this is kind of cool like you did this 80s album right Uh is that a correct way i can just describe it as an 80s album i would say so yeah i did a death metal album myself and most of my stuff has been more rock uh with heavy moments but with mellow moments you know uh that's been pretty consistent but i I told myself, like in college, I was like, I have to do, I have to record a full metal album. It right. has to happen. So, so you know, I'm with you where I went to my extreme. Maybe it's not even your extreme, but I personally went to my extreme. I was like, I just got to get this out. I got to do it once. Did a full death metal album. And then I wanted to follow it up with a study music album, which is like background, ambient, soft music. And I got like half of that album done by like the year 2008. And, it, and I've never... <laughs> and in fact i'm i'm considering finishing it now which is there you pretty go. cool because it's uh it's a clear like style that is uh defined and it's just ambient background music study music i thought that would be a cool thing right anyway uh i don't know if i had a final point but i just wanted to say that stuff so it's it's something you bought in that's what it was you buy in and then you gotta just go full bore <laughs> because if you I don't know. You can always half-ass it, but it's just going to come out so mediocre. Yeah, yeah. And, if you do, if like, you don't commit and be like, let's do this, and then you get scared halfway through, and you try right. to make it safe, then it just kind of turns out like half good. Yeah, those are always yeah. the projects where you're like, hey, Mom, I just put out this new thing. It's called <laughs> Pictures of Lips. And they listen to it, and they're like, are you okay? Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to say, she's like, it's great. You're the best. You're so talented. No, my parents they were they were they were like it's it's interesting, it's really fun that you're able to do this. Like I can't believe you're able to make this album when you recorded it in your closet. That's and, funny. And it's so it's always funny to hear. Um okay, so this is I mean, we are so out of timeline, but this is a question we needed to um to ask you, and so maybe we're now asking it near what you can call the end. This is going to be the longest podcast. We're at an hour 10 right now. I can't oh, believe wow. it. Because this has been such an interesting conversation. Um, it might just have to make a part two or something. But um, <laughs> uh, hey, Kitty, you're right between me and Eli. I can't even see him. Okay. Um, so you graduated college. Uh, there's a few ways I can ask you this question. We'll see how much detail you give me on the answer. Um, how did you get here? How are you on the Central Coast? What led to this happening? Well, right after I graduated college, band went on tour. I came back from tour. And actually, I was on tour, and I got a call from my girlfriend, who's a journalist. And she said I was offered a job in Santa Maria as uh, working at a newspaper there. And, um, and I was like, yes! California. Hmm. That's amazing. I cannot wait. I was so excited. You were just like, yep, it's happening. And I was like, I didn't I didn't know anything about Santa Maria. Um Never I was heard of like, it probably. <laughs> nor heard of it. Yeah. Um and I was like, that sounds great. So we moved to Santa Maria for her work and then slowly realized that Santa Maria is just this sort of it's very blue collar working class city yes. and it has so many beautiful things about it uh the food is incredible the, the lots of great mexican food right great In mexican food yeah. um incredibly nice people everywhere but it, 
it was such a different shock from moving from a college town to San oh Maria. Gosh. So, yeah. so um, from a college town in Montana, yeah, to Santa Maria. To Santa Maria, it was a shock. But we ended up really enjoying the Central Coast, and um, and uh, then we eventually found our way to Slow, and yeah. Slow's like a California Missoula. So, oh, really? Yeah. So it was like a, it was just kind of. We settled back into this sort of college town vibe. Okay, so Missoula is that's where University of Montana, Montana is. is. Yeah. Uh, when you said Missoula, we've been talking beer today. Big Sky Brewery is in Missoula, correct? Yep. Yeah, Moose Drool. Mm-hmm. Moose Drool is some good stuff right there, man. Right. Um, so you're saying that uh, what San Luis Obispo and Missoula have in common is the college town aspect. College town vibes, yeah. So that kind of helped you feel at home, right? And slow. Yeah, and it's they're both nestled in little valleys. Ah. Missoula's in a valley too. So okay. It's... Yeah, I'm sure the peaks around Missoula are twice as tall as the ones around San Luis Obispo. Maybe. Missoula's more rounded. Okay. Mountains. It's okay. not as sharp. It's not as dramatic as uh, some of the other oh, okay. places in Montana. So, yeah. um, it's funny. Even in Missoula, we have a big M. On, oh, our, yeah. on one of the mountains. That's funny. And in San Luis, there's that big M. And we got to San Luis, and we're like, wait, wait, wait. What in the world? <laughs> we're like, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's pretty funny. Uh, so you mentioned, so there is not as dramatic scenery in Missoula as in other parts of Montana. And this is just, since we're on the topic of slow, something cool about slow is um, on the right day, if you 